This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Jeff, welcome back to the programme and very good afternoon to you in Jakarta. Um, let's, let's go through some of the, the headlines. First of all, um, the markets once again seem to completely dislocate from what we think's happening in the real world, scarring of economies, riots in the United States and so on. They seem to have a life of their own. One theory is, isn't it, that plenty of printed money thrown at them will probably increase asset prices even further. I agree with you entirely there. If we look at the global financial crisis and the huge amount of quantitative easing and unconventional monetary easing that went on from the central banks at that time, we saw a rally, quite an aggressive rally in asset prices as well. Much the same thing is happening this time, except that uh, it's even greater scope uh, central banks in, in buying junk bonds, corporate bonds, this whole backstopping of anybody potentially taking a loss uh, by the global central banks, I think, is the main driver uh, of, of this uh, of this rather disconnected global rally in, in stocks, uh, along with uh, the potential uh, economic recovery that we're seeing as uh, countries move out of national lockdowns from COVID-19. Speaking of which, Indonesia, just out of its lockdown, what, at the end of today, you obviously swap, don't you, between Singapore and Jakarta. What are your feelings about that? And Because we, we hear of a second spike in Singapore. Yes, but uh, I think what you really need to understand with Singapore is that in the greater population, the actual cases have been very, very uh, low. What Singapore has is hundreds of thousands of migrant workers that build everything, all the buildings, the roads, the MRTs, collect the rubbish, do all these uh, these jobs in the manual side of the economy. They all live in quite close quarters in huge dormitories, and that is where all of these cases have broken out. So amongst the greater Singapore population, it's actually quite low. All of these infections are coming from uh, the dormitories, uh, from the dormitories and the immigrant workers in Singapore. They will be looking at easing uh, their circuit breakers, as they call it, I believe, early next week. And Jakarta itself is finishing up its now, I think it's been two months now, uh, of lockdown uh, this evening. So it'll be interesting to see uh, just how under control Indonesia does have this uh, COVID-19. Underneath the stock markets, um, Australia has its longest boom ever is over. First recession in 29 years. Um, how's that going to How's that going to play there? Because they pride themselves on, they have been very outspoken about the Chinese. They they pride themselves on being relatively self-sufficient. That's going to hit their national pride fairly hard, I would imagine. How are they going to cope with it? I think they'll manage because it's not called the lucky country for nothing. And one little recession in 29 years uh, isn't a bad run by any means. At the end of the day, uh, Australia too is emerging from its uh, lockdowns and economic activity appears to be picking up there quite quickly. They're also uh, seeing quite strong demand from countries such as China and other uh, primary uh, importers of uh, raw materials for things like iron ore and gas and all these things that the Australians dig out of the ground. So all in all, I'm expecting a fairly shallow uh, recession in Australia, especially as the uh, Reserve Bank of Australia has been extremely aggressive on the quantitative easing front. What is the feeling about where China stands now? I know it's a huge question. We don't have time for all the detail of it, obviously, but you get the feeling that the United States, the UK, maybe even Europe in some cases is slightly 
recalibrating, if I can put it like that, their position about China. It's understood, obviously, to be the most important economy in the world. And yet, there's there's these worries, aren't there, about security, about lack of transparency, and n- not not least of which the, the, the progress of the virus and where it, in fact, actually came from. What's the attitude where you are right now towards China? All, all of those questions are very valid. And I, I, I do believe there is some recalibrating of how China's viewed simply because of some of the authoritarian nature of, of China. The more that people ask questions of China, the harder they seem to, to push back. China is actually a big investor here. Uh, Indonesia is a developing country and China is helping to build a lot of, uh, of, of, the, of the infrastructure that is going on, these huge capital projects that are going on here in, uh, in Indonesia, not part of Belt and Road, I might add, uh, a standalone. So I believe in the region, China, uh, Asian, uh, Asia Pacific, uh, ex-Australia relations still uh, remain on track. Uh, the problem is with the developed nations uh, such as uh, Europe and and North America in particular. They're worried about China's ability to disrupt their economies and, and keep prices down. Just reading a headline from the Financial Times, HSBC and Standard Chartered have actually joined Swire and Jardine Matheson, you know, big Hong Kong companies, actually exactly. going mm-hmm. backing the new Chinese security deal. I would imagine that's quite ma- that's making quite big headlines with you as well. Yes, I was actually asked this by uh, another uh, media outlet yesterday afternoon, would they do it? And I said, there's no chance that they would lay out their stall so strongly. I was completely yeah. wrong because last night that's exactly <laughs> what they did. I, I, Hong Kong Bank and Standard Chartered Bank have special uh, status in, in, in Hong Kong. They actually print the bank notes there. A lot of their profits come from there. I think agreeing to this is a purely commercial and pragmatic uh, decision on their part, knowing which side their bread is buttered, so to speak. But I think it's a very difficult place for HSBC to be in because I don't think the UK government's going to be very happy with them over this. But perhaps they're going, uh, the UK government is the lesser of two evils uh, uh, between you know, sort of London and, and, and Beijing. And I, I don't really blame them for taking that view because as we can see, China has is quite aggressive about uh, punishing uh, companies and countries that don't toe the line. And finally, Jeff, good to talk to you. Just give us, if you would, before you go, the question that everybody's asking, and I may as well ask you, how long until we reach a new normal, if indeed there is such a thing? The short answer is it depends. The longer answer is I don't believe that we will see a new normal uh, until at least the end of 2021 at best. And that predicates uh, the assumption that a COVID-19 vaccine happens uh, or uh, is produced by the end of the year, which again is another big if, even with a crash development program. So I'm, I'm looking at at least the end of 2021 uh, before the world's economy uh, starts opening again. And that will only happen if we have a vaccine. Air travel, for example, is not reappearing in the shape that we've known all our lives uh, until that happens. Jeff Halley, thank you very much indeed. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers.